Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. what this series has been about. And tonight I'm talking specifically about ministering to God. This sounds weird, but keeping your heart on fire by ministering to God himself. And a lot of times we think God has to minister to us to keep our hearts burning, but I want to show the other side of that. And so, but first off, how many of you guys remember junior high? Junior high was like my golden years of like, uh, of the, the, the school, you know, from kindergarten all the way through college, probably junior high. That was like the that was the eye of the storm. Those were the peaceful years, you know. And uh, Dominic was there. We were friends back then. It was so good. And so, but one of my only main weaknesses, if I had one in junior high, uh, basically had anything to do with talking to girls. I just was completely, utterly embarrassed, couldn't do it, would just run away at all costs. Like, it was bad, you know. And so I was so awkward when it came talking to, to girls, you know. And uh, I kind of got over it. Laurel, maybe a little bit. No, she's shaking her head. No, I'm still awkward. That's cool. I'll get better eventually. But anyway, uh, so, but I remember junior high, uh, I, I remember going somewhere to order, and I was like a junior higher, and there was this girl who was 17 or 18, and it's like the older classmen, you know, and, they're, and you're junior higher, and you're all like, she's pretty, you know. And I remember trying to order a cheeseburger, and I was just, <laughs> I went to order. It's like, I'll get a cheeseburger, you know. And then I'm like, oh, no. And I remember hearing my friend in the back go, whoo. He's like, get her number, bro. And I'm like bright red. And I'm just like, I'll get a cheeseburger. Like trying to be, make my voice lower, you know. And I remember another time I went to Cold Stone over here. And I remember same thing happened. It was a 17 or 18-year-old girl. I was like 13 or something or 14. And my, my voice was all changing. And I was just so awkward, man. And she said the different sizes, you know, like it, love it, got to have it. Those were like the Cold Stone sizes. She's like, what size, what size do you want, you know? And I, and I kind of just was like, well, what size are there? And she said them again. And then I just kind of looked at her awkwardly. And she's like, so what do you want? And I said, uh, what do you think I should get? <laughs> you know? And I'm sitting there, and I hear all of a sudden, woo, get her number. Why are you always here when I'm trying to talk to girls? Right? Like, Oh, man. And it was just so awkward. I remember this one time, too. Uh, I think Dominic was there. We were at a, a junior high party. It was like the first, like, co-ed party, you know, right? And I'm like, this is awkward. I want to be here, but I don't want to be here at the same time. And there's, like, in the other room, there's, like, the, you know, the, the kids uh, who are, like, pushing the edge of eighth grade, and they're doing spin the bottle. And I'm like, no, I'm doing that. I'm terrified of that. And there's that other group who's doing truth or dare, which in eighth grade is basically just who do you like, you know, right? And so I'm like, I'm not doing that either. So I just awkwardly stood there kind of like by the pool just you know shooting the breeze kind of a thing and uh and then I remember this girl came over to me I was like seventh grade or eighth grade this girl came over to me and was like hey I was doing truth or dare and I was dared to give you a kiss on the cheek and I was just like I didn't even know how to give girls a high five you know or anything and, and so she literally she gives me a kiss on the cheek and then she looks at me and the whole crowd's looking at me and I just and then I jump into the pool <laughs> I literally just like <laughs> just jump into the pool. No idea why in the world I would do that, right? I was this awkward, just so horribly awkward. 
like seventh grader, right? Eighth grader, right? Yeah, same friend. Woo! <laughs> like, stop. Right? And then, then people are like, why'd you jump in the pool? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it just seemed like the right thing to do at the time, <laughs> you know? And so, oh, man, I'm still awkward. If Laurel gives me a kiss on the cheek, I just look for the nearest body of water, and I just <laughs> try to jump in, right? And so, but man, oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. I, I don't know why it was so hard for me just to talk talk to girls or anything like that. And so, um, but eventually, you know, I kind of kind of grew out of it. And so, I, I basically after high school, I went and I did uh, ministry overseas. I went and did missionary work, and I was kind of going to this like ministry school. They're teaching you kind of how to be a missionary and everything like that. And at, at the beginning, uh, basically, they were talking about this idea of ministering to God. And they were talking about how you need to become a minister unto the Lord before anything else. There's this verse, Revelations 5, verse 10. It says, and have made us king. I'm talking about God. It says he has made us kings and priests. Everyone say priest. Priests to our God. So say, I am a priest. That's what it says right here. He says he's made us priests unto God. Okay, it says, and we shall reign on the earth. So they basically said, hey, we want to teach you. The Bible says you're priests. We want to teach you how to be priests unto the Lord. And, and I kind of realized something in that moment. I realized that the only thing for me more awkward than talking to girls was talking to God. I realized I had no idea how to talk to God. I was a Christian my whole life, right? I was saved. But basically, unless I was repenting, <laughs> and saying, I'm sorry for sin, you know, or unless I was begging him for like an A on the test or something else, you know, I didn't know. I literally, I did not know how to talk to God. And, and it was, they would say, okay, just go, just talk to, just talk to God about it. Uh, look for a body of water, <laughs> you know, right? And so somehow I had no idea. I didn't no idea how to do this. And, uh, and then they say, you know, we want to teach you how to be priests. And I'm like, priests? Like, the Catholic guys, like with the white collar, and they, all I know about priests is they sit in the box, and then you confess your sins, my child, you know? And I, how, do you, how do you do that for the Lord? Like, how, do, what? <laughs> like, and I had no idea. What to do. do I just go to God? And God, what do you want to confess to me? father, you know, like, I don't know how this works, right, and it was so overwhelming, and I had no idea what I, I was doing, right, has, has anyone, show of hands, has anyone ever felt like that in the prayer life of just, like, I don't really know how to pray unless I'm asking for something or repenting for something, you know, that is totally how I was my, most of my life, I didn't really know how, how to pray and how to talk to him, and so the thing is, for the class, they wanted to teach us how to pray, so they said, you know, the best way, and this is huge, the best way to learn how to pray is by praying, right? It's like you can read a million books on riding a bicycle, but until you get on the bike, <laughs> right? That's the best way to learn. It's the same thing with prayer. You can learn all the theology. You can learn all the stuff and formulas or whatever you want, but it doesn't really work unless you actually start going for it. So they said, you have to pray for an hour a day. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that, right? That's worse than talking to girls for an hour a day, you know? <laughs> And so, and I dreaded it. And I remember it. the only reason I was doing this for this class, we had to do it. And I would dread it. Oh man, three hours before, I would just start getting anxious. And I'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to do this, you know. Oh man. And then I would just get anxiety and fear an hour before. I'm just like getting like, I'm starting to sweat, you know. I'm just like, oh man, this is going to suck. 
fuck, this is going to be the worst. And then, but I would do it. I'd go into what they had a prayer room and I would sit down and immediately my phone, it's just all of a sudden, it's like everyone and their mom wants to get a hold of you. The minute you say, I'm going to set aside time to pray and minister to God, I tell you, the devil does not want it to happen, right? People who've never even cared about me are like, you want to go to the movies right now? You know, it's like, what? You know, grandma's texting you like, I don't even know you had a phone. How did you, how did you get a hold of me? And why right now when we're trying to pray, you know? So it's bizarre that everything would break out. So I had to silence my phone, turn off my phone, put it in the other room. I'm like, I'm going to pray. And then I would just, there was a clock, I remember. And I would pray, pray, pray. I'd pray everything I knew how to pray. I'd pray. Because they said, you can't repent and talk to God about your sins. Because they're trying to teach me how to minister to God, right? So it's not about you. So don't be praying and repenting your sins. That's for another time. That is valid. You do need to pray, but this is not the point of that right now. So, okay, well, that's 90% of my prayer life right there is gone, right? And you can't be asking for things. You can intercede for things for other people, or you can minister to God himself. And don't know how to do this, right? So I would pray. I'd pray for mom. I'd pray for dad. I'd pray for every person I knew on the list. I'd pray for world peace. You know, I'd pray for, for everything I knew how to pray. And I'd look at the clock. If I started at seven, I looked at the clock and it was like 7.05. I'd be like, what? This room is a time warp. Like, there's no way this is possible. So I'd do it again. I'd pray for the cat next door. You know, I'd pray for anything you could think of. I would try to pray and I would look at it and, it's, and it, it's, like, it's like 10 minutes went by, but I'd look at it, and it was now 7.03. And I'm like, what? Time went backwards. Like, there's no way this is possible. Like, it was the worst thing ever. I hated it. I hated every moment of it. Just, just going to be real, right? But then I just devoted myself to it. And I just kept going. I said, I'm going to pray an hour every day. I'm going to minister to the heart of God. And, and I would sit there, and I don't really know when it changed. There wasn't a moment for me where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, now I can pray. You know, it wasn't like that. When you take a piece of frozen meat and you put it next to a fire, at what moment is it officially thawed? Right? Is it out one minute, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes? I don't, I don't know. But you keep it by the fire and it starts to thaw. And all of a sudden there's a moment when the meat is raw again. It's like ready, it's, it's thawed out. And I don't know when it changed, but when I put my heart next to the all-consuming fire of Jesus, right, and I sat there, and I just sat, and I just tried my best to minister to him, something I couldn't tell when or how, but over time, something in my heart began to change, and I began to thaw. My heart began to thaw out, and all of a sudden, it began to change where I actually started to like it. My prayers started to get longer. I started to actually talk to God like a friend. I started to share with him what's going on. I started to intercede for things and my heart would be actually break for them where I would cry for the lost people in this nation. And I, it was like my heart and God's heart slowly began to come close together. And I don't know how to explain it, right? At what moment does me officially, it's thawed, it's, I don't know the moment, but I knew it, my heart changed. And then all of a sudden I found that I actually enjoyed it. And then I found that I needed it. And then I found I couldn't live a day without it. <laughs> and then I found that prayer became my favorite thing. And my dream is to see a house of prayer in San Diego. Something changed. And I, I learned that my first job in life is what this verse says, to be a priest to God. Right? So what is a priest? Is it that, that dude, you know, I, whenever I thought of priests, I thought of people who minister to you. 
right? They, you confess your sins to them or they're like preaching to the group of people or whatever. That's what you think of, right? When you think of a pastor or a preacher, you're like, oh, they're the guys who are ministering to, to people to teach us, right? But that's not what it says. It actually says that the priests first were established to minister to God. And that the Old Testament, right when it starts, Exodus 28 is the first time they put the, the priest, like the priestly duty. This is what God says. He says, you put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. That was like the first priest, and it was a lineage after him, okay? He says, but you shall anoint them, consecrate them, sanctify them, and that, that they may minister to me as priests. So God said the entire purpose of a priest is to set these people aside to minister to me. And then he says this in Deuteronomy 10. He said, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. So what was a priest? A priest was not to minister to the people. For, like, they did that, but as an overflow, an extra duty. Their first main duty was to minister to God. So much that a whole people group, the Levites, the tribe, he separated them and said, these people, entire job in life is to minister to me. So what's a priest? It's someone who is separated to minister to God. That's literally what a priest is. So what do you do when God says that you are now all, the minute you gave your life to Jesus, you are all a kingdom of priests? That means all of you have been separated to make your first priority ministering to God then minister to your family, then minister to friends, then minister to people, then school, then family, then, but your first role is to minister to God, right? That's, that's just what I said. I'm just reading it right out, right out of the book here. So have you guys, show of hands, show me who knows David, guy with the sling, knocks out Goliath, right? Okay, we've heard of David. We've heard of him in kids' church. He's a gnarly dude. You don't see him in kids' church, but there's a scene after he knocks Goliath off, he cuts his head off. They leave that part out of the, the children's story, right? So, but he was a gnarly dude. He was a crazy warrior, killed tens of thousands of enemies, like pushed all the Philistine armies back, basically got Israel established, a, a, a tough dude, war dude, all this stuff, right? And yet he is a man that God says is a man after my own heart. And this is what he does. He's the first one. Uh, he basically makes ministering to God his first priority. Over being king, over being anything else, he makes his first priority ministering to God. This is what he says. We sang it, ironically, it was totally the Lord. We sang it in the song earlier. One thing that I ask, one thing that I seek, to gaze upon your beauty, Lord. He says this, and David wrote, the king of Israel, he says, one thing I ask, he could ask for anything in heaven. He's the king. One thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon his beauty and inquire in his temple. Psalms 27, 4. That's David's sole mission was, I just want to minister to him. This is what David did. He actually drew up blueprints. His son ended up building against Solomon, but he drew up blueprints for a temple with that 24-7 sole purpose would be to minister to God. And this temple, okay, a temple, you're like, oh, cool, that's like a church. No, like this is, the world's never seen anything like this before or after. Uh, commentators, they argue on what the price was, but they estimate somewhere between three to six billion dollars in modern day money to build this temple. They, this temple was so big, they said it cost, it would be like multiple pyramids in Egypt being built just to 
the same cost for this one temple. Uh, they said this on the opening feast for the temple, 20, 222,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep were sacrificed for the opening. I mean, God likes a barbecue. This is the moment it starts and kicks off, right? Like this is a celebration, right? And so this is why it says 180,000 people build this thing. 4,000 people are in charge of like keeping it clean, the gatekeepers and watching after it. 4,000 other people's full-time job is to minister to God. 4,000 people, your full-time job is minister to the Lord in the temple. So they say that this, that's 8,000 people running this thing all the time. After you've already spent up to $6 billion on this thing, they, they say that it would take to, to do all that about $300 million every year just to keep this thing running, right? Just to give you equivalent. I mean, come on. If the president was like, all right, nation, I have a strategy. This is what we're doing. I'm going to dump $6 billion taxpayer dollars into building a house for God. And we're going to have 8,000 people working there. We're going to spend $300 million every single year to keep this thing running. And people say, why? What's the purpose? And he says, to worship God. Christians would be like, you're crazy. Christians would say, dude, use the money and give it to the poor. Christians would say, dude, use that money and feed orphanages. Use that money, build schools. Use that money. That's a lot of Bibles, bro. Like, you're crazy, president. Christians would probably be the biggest ones to be like, what? You're crazy. Use that money for something else. And just worship to God as you're going, right? Like this is, this is mind-blowing to think. And he said the sole purpose of this, ministering to God. That's why. And God looked at him and said, this is a man, you guys know it, after my own heart. That's wild. Shows you God's priority. And Israel was so blessed because they made their priority ministering not to each other, but to God. So my question is, well, then what does that mean? How do you minister to God? Because yes, he ministers to us. He told us, Jesus came, he healed everyone, healed the blind, healed the sick, right? He ministered to us. But how in the world do we minister to him? You know? And it says right there that what they gave in the temple, they gave praise, is one way. They gave thanks. They gave adoration. They sang they played instruments. David, actually, he made the best of the best. Did you know in order to be a worship leader in the temple, you had to have the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, memorized. And you could say them at any moment. It made songwriting a lot easier. You just pull a verse out. <laughs> if not, you can't be on the worship team. Also, the worshipers in the, in the temple had to invent their own instrument. That way, God is the only one who's ever heard this sound. This is the excellence. He says, my top, top, top. People memorize and know the word of God. People who, and it's like, but God, God, he cares about the heart. Yes, absolutely. But David's like, I want to minister to him. I'm going to give him the best. You got a pretty voice. Can you invent an instrument and memorize the Bible? And he had 4,000 of those people day and night ministering to God. That's wild. That's crazy. That's 4,000 instruments and the world may never see again that have never happened before or since. And God may have been the only one who ever heard the sound just to minister to him. So this is how they did it. Praise, thanks, adoration, singing, instruments, music, dancing. They, all this was in the temple and God was the only audience. 
There was no like them singing to a crowd of people. It was just them alone worshiping God. That was it. And no one even could hear it outside the temple. Like this was for him. That's just crazy, guys. We have made worship about us. I mean, you thought the 40 minutes in here was long. <laughs> right? Like, and we're like, oh man, this is getting long. Like, dude, no, this is, if, if we thought that was long, maybe our hearts are still a little icy. We got to get it by that fire. Like, he, this is what he did. And so we made worship so much about, I love the worship. I love worship. I love the worship songs that are like, fill me up, God. I love, I love that stuff. And I pray, and I'm like crying in tears. God, fill me up. I'm tired, you know. And I'm like singing it to the Lord. But it's not worship as much as it's a prayer that I'm singing to him. You know, fill me up, God. I need you. I need you. You know, worship is like holy. It's thanks. It's praise, adoration. We sing it. You are faithful. You are good. You are holy. You're, you're ministering to him in his heart. Hebrews 13, 15. I'm showing you this is New Testament as well. It says, it says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That means sometimes praise and worship is a sacrifice, which means it costs you something, right? It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you anything. Sometimes you're like, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I don't want to worship. Well, that's a sacrifice I'm giving to him because he's worthy. So why does God, then my question is then how, so why does God want to be ministered to him too? Is he like, is he prideful? And he's like, me, come, worship me. Like, is he, is he like, is he kind of have a big head and he's just like, I need this. Yeah, I feel so good about myself, you know? No, not at all, right? That's not God. But is he like, well, then why does he want? Is he insecure and he needs our affirmation, you know? It's like, no. God, God, we're like, you're good. He's like, I am. You're so good. I'm doing good. Okay. You, you sure? I'm a good God. You're a good God. You're so faithful. I'm, I'm okay. Oh, okay. I, I want to be God again today. Okay. I can do it. I can do it. It's been a hard week. The earth sucks sometimes, but I have a crew of people and they're saying I'm doing a good job. So I'm just going to jump in. I'll keep doing it because they, they're encouraging me. Like, no. Come on, we need that sometimes, right? God's like, I'm like, God. He's like, you're good. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> you know? And he's like, you're good. Okay, I'll keep being a pastor. <laughs> right? You know? And, but he doesn't need it. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need encouragement. He doesn't need affirmation. He, he's totally self-sustaining, right? He's totally a billion angels are going, oh, worshiping him. He doesn't need our praise. Why does he then command us to worship him? Right? So why? Well, God is love. We know that. Love is never selfish. That means his command for you to worship him, his command to say, Michael, minister to me, it's actually not selfish. How does that work? The most loving thing he can do is command you to worship him. And he's totally humble in doing so. It's like a, a, the fire says, hey, if you want to thaw, you're going to have to be next to me. And we're like, you're so prideful, you fire. You know, it's like, no, I'm just, a, I'm just a burning fire. This is literally, if you want to be thawed, you just, you have to. I'm not being prideful. I just, I'm a fire. Like, God is the all-consuming fire. And he's like, if you want your heart to be alive, then you have to look at me and you'll thaw. Right? And it's totally Totally humble. So why does God command us to minister to him? Because it changes you. It changes us. 
Whatever you worship, you become like. Whatever you behold, you become. So when I was younger, I worshiped the Green Power Ranger. I love that guy. Tommy, right, you know, from Power Rangers. You ever watch Power Anyone ever watch Power Rangers? Oh, he was the man, right? My favorite color became green. You know, I bought the costume. I go, it's morphin' time. You know, and I, I, bought all, I bought all the little toys that morphed together into the dinosaur thing, you know, and I wanted my haircut like him. You know, and Kimberly, the pink Power Ranger, my first crush, liked him, so I wanted to be just like him because I didn't know how to talk to girls. You know, so I'm like, I'll be like Tommy, you know. And so, and then he became the White Ranger, and I'm like, forget all the green stuff. My favorite color is white. He's the White Ranger, you know. And I actually started to do things and buy things to look like him. What I behold, you become like. Right? And then InSync came out, and Justin Timberlake was so cool, and he had, like, the spiky hair and the bleach tips on top. So I cut my hair, and I spiked it, and I put bleach tips on top. And I'm not showing you the photo. Dominic remembers. The only photo's in his mind. You know, he was there. And so, because what I wanted, oh, he's so awesome, I started to become like him. So God knows that if you behold him, worship him, you start to become like him. So often, the way we think we become like Jesus is by hunting all of our sin, right? Just, oh, I got to cut out all this bad lust. I got to cut out all this selfishness. I got to cut out all this anger. Oh, I messed up again. I messed up again. I messed up. And we just try to hunt all the things that Jesus is not, thinking if we pull out everything he's not, then maybe somehow we'll become who he is. But there's a simpler answer. Just minister to him and worship him, and you start to become like him. When you minister him, it changes things. It's really hard to be depressed in the moments when you're singing, you know. You are good, good, and whole. You are good. And inside you're like, and I'm depressed. (laughs) But you are good, good, oh, right? It's hard. It's hard to have these, your lips not matching your heart. Your heart starts to be like, maybe he is good. It's hard to have fear for the future and think you're stuck when you're singing, all your promises are yes and amen, right? You know, it's hard to say like, my life sucks when you're like, faithful you are, and you're singing. When you're beholding him, it shifts things inside of you, right? It's all those different things. So when he says, worship me, he knows it's the cure for you. He knows it changes you. The ministers had to thank, give thanks and bless his name. That's what they were to do. And then it's just like, you know, my heart's thawing. I don't know why, but the depression is leaving because I'm just singing, thank you, thank you, thank you. Blessed be your name. And you're like, I'm not as sad anymore. And there was never a moment. I don't know what happened. It just started to thaw away because I'm worshiping him, beholding him, ministering to him. I lived for a month in, uh, in North Korea, and that's a whole nother story. But we were there, and we just, every day, we would worship God in our room. And it changed the atmosphere. We'd walk downstairs, 
after a while, and people would come up to us and they'd say, we don't know why, but it just feels different here. We don't know why, but it just feels lighthearted here. We don't know why, but it just, it's so happy here now. Before you guys got here, it wasn't like this. And all we did was we would just worship. We came into the room and we just worshiped God. And they didn't even hear us. They just felt it afterwards. Because it's really hard for darkness and demons to be in the room. Because they can't be in the temple. Demons can't be in the same temple where people are worshiping God. So we were worshiping him and darkness just began to leave. We could hunt the darkness or we could just turn on the light. Right? We could go around casting every demon out of society in America, you know, or we could just establish places of worship. And they leave. I remember I, when, I, when I lived as a missionary, I turned on the, like a fire to cook. This stove is an old stove and all these cockroaches ran out. I was like, oh. I could have hunted for cockroaches or I could have just turned on the fire and they scatter, right? When you just bring the fire of God, it leaves. Do you want to change your dorms? This is the answer. Minister to God. Your dorm has changed. You want to change your, your a frat, you know, you oversee a frat. You want to change the, the place. Don't go around hunting everything bad about it. When you just start worshiping God there, invite people to worship there, it begins to change. Do you, do you want to change your, your job? I used to, at work, I would just turn on a little bit of worship music and have it playing. You know, I would behold God. Do you want to change your own heart, your own depression, your own anxiety, your own fear? The answer, behold and minister to God, and it will minister to you. Ministering to him change, doesn't change him. It changes you. And it might feel awkward, but it will change your life. It really will. Tell God how good he is. Encourage his heart, and it's going to encourage your own. Joel brought it up, totally stole my point. I was going to talk about Martha, uh, how basically in Luke 10, uh, there's a woman named Martha, and she's so worried about doing all these things for Jesus. And her sister Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets so angry, and she's like, Jesus, tell Martha to work. You know, it's like if your brother's cleaning the room, you know, your sister's cleaning and you're not, and they're like, Mom, make him help. You know, that's like how it was. And Jesus actually rebukes Martha and says, Martha, you're worried about so many things. Mary here, she's chosen the right thing. And all she was doing was sitting at the feet of Jesus. It says this, but one thing, or it says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the model of the, of the New Testament Christian. It says, sit, she chose to not do, she did less work and more gazing on Jesus. And Jesus was like, this is what I'm looking for. And the temple's not there anymore. It's gone. But 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that you are God's temple? And so, the temple was costly for David, and your temple was costly for Jesus. Are you going to make it one that ministers to him like David did? But it does come at a cost, right? Pay the cost of sometimes waking up early just to minister to him. Pay the cost of maybe staying up late. Pay the cost of maybe I don't go to the movies with my friends that time because I'm staying back to worship and minister to Jesus. 
pay the cost. I promise you, every time you try, your phone is going to go berserk, right? Pay the cost of saying, you know what? Who cares about FOMO, fear of missing out? I'm going to turn off, do not disturb, put it in the other room. I'm here to worship Jesus, right? And there is a cost. You will miss that movie. But it's okay. It's a sacrifice of praise if you want your heart to be on fire, your heart to be alive. Pay the cost of maybe going on a retreat, just you and Jesus for half the day, and it's just you guys at the beach and you're worshiping him. Pay the cost. It is hard. I know it's hard, and sometimes it sucks, <laughs> just being real. Like, it's, it it's, does. I, and often I fail. I'm trying to worship Jesus, and I fall asleep because I'm so tired, you know, right? So I, I stand up. I stand up, and I, like, pace because I'm like, I can't fall asleep if I'm walking, right? It's a sacrifice I'm trying to do to, like, okay, I'm going to stay awake so I can worship him and minister to him. Right, and and I want to encourage you. If you're married, people who are doing work for Jesus will always mock those who are just worshiping Jesus, because they think they're doing more. So you might have people in your life who are like, "Don't do that, dude. You're stupid. Worship him later. Come to the movies now. You know, <laughs> worship tomorrow." Like they don't get it. But will you choose the better thing? So you're a priest. You're his chosen people. You're set apart. And as a priest, it's your job to minister to Jesus. And it's going to change your heart, and it'll change your life. And so, the last thing, I saw this quote from this guy named Derek Prince. And he basically, the gist of it is, he says that if you only have 10 minutes to minister, to if you have 10 minutes to basically be with God, you have 10 minutes to worship, or 10 minutes, right? That's all you get in the day. He said, I would use eight of them just to worship. And you'll be shocked with how much you can pray in two minutes. Right? He said, just use the first eight, 80% of an hour or 80% of the 10 minutes. Use that just to worship and minister to him and watch what could happen in the remaining two. So what we can do is, um, usually we end at nine. We have about 20 minutes or so. And we usually would like break into small groups or things like that. You know, as you guys were here last week, that's what we did. You saw us break into small groups. But tonight, I wanted to do something just a little different. We just got a few minutes and we have uh, right here underneath you, Dominic, we have these uh, little papers I wanted to give you guys. And I wanted to give you a chance to try this out just for even 10 minutes, right? And I'm telling you, for some of you, it's going to be like a fish in water. It's going to be easy for other you. It's going to be like the worst thing in the world. You know, like that's how it was for me. I was like, I hate this. It's going to feel like five hours, <laughs> even though it's just 10 minutes, you know. And But we want to give you a chance where you, you're ministering to God and you're not repenting for your sins. Because you can do that another time. That's important. But this is not what it's about right now. You're not repenting and you're not trying to ask for things. But you're learning just how to give him thanks give him adoration, give him praise. So I wrote this thing on here, the different ones, and I have a little prep thing right here for you. And you can take this home and fill it out or whatever. I just wrote it up real quick. But basically I wrote, you have to intentionally get ready for your time to be with Jesus. Take your phone and turn it on. Do not disturb, okay? <gasps> Scary, do it. It's worth it. Set a timer. Because if you don't, every two minutes you'll be like, how long has it been? How long has it been? Oh, look, someone texted me, right? And so I just set a timer and put it away because then you don't have to th worry about it, right? And then I said, um, set a timer for how, long, or for how long you at least want to be with him and then put it away from you and don't look at it again. Use a physical Bible instead of your phones. Oh, that's a big one because this is what happens. You're like, what's that cool 
verse Instagram, right? That's what happens every time we look at our verse. We look at our Bible, and then someone texted me, I need an answer right now, right? There's no text messages coming into your Bible. So try to use physical Bible, and you'll, you'll find you'll be way more focused. You'll find that it'll be a lot easier, right? And so try to do that if you can. And then I basically said sit or stand or do something to help you engage and say, oh, whatever you need to do, sit up straight or, or stand or walk or whatever you need to do, but just do something to stay engaged, you know? Uh, it's not a time just to lay there and fall asleep. There's other times for that. But. So and then we just said here, thankfulness. Tell God at least five things you're thankful for, adoration, and praise. So I'm going to give you a time frame. So we'll probably try to do five minutes in each of these. And I don't want you to move on to the next one. And I don't want you to be like, I completed all five, so I'm done. If you complete all five and you still have time, keep doing more. Right? We're trying to teach you how to do this for a few minutes, okay? Yeah, go ahead, pass those out. And so we're going to turn on some worship music in the background. And the first one we're going to do here is just, I'm trying to teach you guys how to have a private relationship with the Lord where you're keeping your fire burning and you keep going after him and it's just helping your like devotional life with him, okay? I promise I'll tell you at nine o'clock when we're done, all right? I'll be your timer for this time. So the first one here is thankfulness. Don't jump down to the page. Don't keep reading. Just do the thankfulness, right? When you're talking to him, resist the urge to complain and repent, right? Because people are like, God, I'm so thankful you're so merciful because I'm a piece of scum and I'm horrible and I just, God, I'm so sorry. Now you're not in thankfulness anymore. Like, right, just say, God, I'm so thankful for you for being merciful or whatever, right? Okay? So we're going to turn that on and you can pray. I'll encourage you. You can move about the cabin, right? You can get up, move around, do whatever you need to do. And I'll encourage you, don't just pray in your mind, when you pray in your mind, it's so easy for our mind to drift, and you're thinking you go from prayer to Xbox really quick. When you're speaking it out, it keeps you engaged, okay? So even just whisper under your breath, God, thank you so much. God, I love you. Whatever that is, okay? So just do that. Start with thankfulness, and I will, you're just, you're acting like priests right now, spending time thanking God, and I'll let you know in five minutes. Just practice thanking him for five minutes, okay? Awesome. So you can, you can turn up that music. That way people can pray out loud if they want and not feel awkward about it. Yeah. Yeah, God, we just love you. Father, we, we just say that, that we want to be priests, Lord. And, and just confession, we admit, God, for some of us, uh, this might be easy, but for others of us, this is really hard. <laughs> we don't know how to talk to you, and we, we can feel awkward sometimes, God. And just like in my story where I felt so weird talking to you, God, but you changed my heart. You changed my life, Lord. Now it's my favorite thing in the world. So I ask for those who are like me, and, and this might have felt new and different, and like, I don't know how to talk to God outside of asking for things or sin. God, I ask that you would give them a grace, that they would know it's okay where they're at, and that you would give them encouragement, God, and you would give them uh, hope and a boldness to keep trying, to keep putting their heart by the fire, by you, and to spend time with you, God. Not working, not doing more, but just being with you, like Mary sitting at your feet, Jesus. And so we commit ourselves here at Crux just to be a people like Mary, who not like Martha, we're going to run around doing all this stuff, but like Mary, worship you and first focus on being priests. This is our first call in life, like David said, to worship you, to gaze on you, to love you, to minister to your heart. And we know you are so good that as we minister to you, you always change us and you minister right back to us. So we love you, Lord. I ask this week that you'd give us, we'd, we'd put this into practice. 
and our lives would be, it become normal to minister to your heart and just to love you, God. So I bless everyone. I thank you for them. Bless this week, God. And I thank you that they are world changers. And as they go into their campus, as they go into their work, as they go into their dorms, and all they have to do, they don't have to worry about all the junk happening. They just need to turn on the light. So Lord, give them a boldness to turn the light on and just worship you and to love on you. But we love you, God. We bless you. And I thank you for this family. And I bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.